Good morning. We are uh, finishing up this series on Hebrews. We're in Hebrews chapter 13 today, and I just want to call your attention to, I, I don't know, because we don't know for sure the author, I don't know of Hebrews. We don't, it might be Apollos, it might, we don't, we don't know for sure, but I think that um, the author has a sense of humor. I think there's a little tongue-in-cheek thing here, and I will, I'm going to read it to you. It's right at the end, but I'm going to read it to you before, um, before we get to it, so that when you hear it, Remember, this has been 13 weeks of, of, of this book. Brothers, I urge you to bear my word of exhortation, for I've written you only a short letter. I hope it was a little tongue-in-cheek. I hope that when I get there, he goes, did you get my joke at the end? I don't know. Um, we are, this is a summary. This, not the, not the message, the chapter. The chapter is reminding them of all the things he's told them and throwing in a few extra, hey, you already know this, but I want to remind you of this. Uh, so I'm going to offer a prayer. We're going to get into it. And in the middle of it, because of one of the passages here, uh, I'm going to update you a little bit on our new denomination, uh, where, what, what happened a couple of weeks ago when the, many of your ministry staff were in Denver for the first gathering of the Alliance of Reformed Churches. Uh, and yeah, it, it, you, you deserve an update. It's a little weird to put that in the middle of a message, but there's, some, uh, there's a couple of verses here tell, telling us to continue to do certain things. And we got to experience that just a couple of weeks ago, some of us. So um, with that said, I want to greet those online who are joining us either on the phone or uh, on the, over the internet, whether it be uh, audibly, audible only or if it's uh, video. And my name is Trent Walker. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, yeah, let's pray together and be ready to hear what God has to say. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the freedom we have in you. Thank you that in the midst of turmoil and anxiety and struggle, we're assured that you are sovereign. And even in the midst of the world spinning up, we can have confidence that you and you alone are the author of time, the author of space, and the author of humanity, that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. And we thank you too that, as, as Doug read last week, that for the joy set before you, you endured the cross, you scorned at shame, and you sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, that we are the joy set before you. We bless you for that. Thank you for seeing us as worthy of you suffering on our behalf. We pray that we can return that in kind by offering sacrifices of praise, by doing good works that you've created in advance for us to do. And we pray that you speak to us today. We do not want to hear what we want to hear. We want to hear what you have to say. So speak, Lord, and give us eyes to see it, ears to hear it, and hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13. Keep on loving each other as brothers. That word there for brothers is, or for loving is Philadelphia. Um, it's where, that's the city of brotherly love. It's a, it's, it's a more than, more than, hey, I'm going to be nice to you. It's we're family. We're, there are things that, that we will do for one another that really no one else could ask us to do for them. Um, a stranger on the street can't ask you to do what your brother or your sister or your mother or your father could ask. 
Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and, mar and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial, ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others for which sacrifices God is pleased, or for, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. This is the one we're really going to concentrate on today. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. No, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for, pray for us, and this is the author talking about him and I believe Timothy. Pray for us. We are sure to... We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. May the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Equip, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers, I urge you to bear with my exhortation, for I've written you only a short letter. And I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released if he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all of the leaders and all of God's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. Now, a couple of things that, that, that deserve some explanation here, uh, especially in our culture. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will, not, or will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. It was a common practice in Rome... Whether, they, whether it be uh, just Roman citizens who were, who were uh, pantheistic, pantheistic they, their religion was many gods, um, but it was common practice for men to take a mistress or more, more than one as a confidant and as a, um, I guess, an object so that all of their, you got to be careful, we're in church, all of their physical desires were met, especially if their wives were pregnant, that kind of thing. It was unthinkable in that culture for anyone to say, don't do that. 
It was so common, it was encouraged, it was actually seen as virtuous to not, to not uh, burden your wife with your needs all the time. And this world, we don't think about it this way. We just look at it and think, well, duh, of course you're supposed to keep the marriage bed pure. But we, we, don't, we don't understand, because we don't live in it, how, how that was a world-altering, culture-changing, moral flip. The author of Hebrews, as Jesus did, and we'll read, we'll read some of those passages next week um, out of the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. The things that Jesus said and the things that his followers taught were brand new in the world. And for an author to say to people living in Rome, you and your spouse together, alone, alone. And then he tells us that what, what God's going to do to the adulterer, and then we, we have this word, the sexually immoral. I'm just going to tell you what the word is. It's por- pornea. It's what we get the word pornography from. And just so that you're aware, when you read that word in Scripture, sexually immoral or uh, any of those, it, it, there's some tweaks on it, but it, it means any behavior that is intimate outside of the bounds of marriage that God has instituted. So he, he speaks of none of that throughout all of the book of Hebrews. But here, as a reminder, you are to be counter-cultural. You're supposed to be set apart in such a way that people see that your lives are different. Yes, you're suffering. Yes, you've lost much and you can't go back. And he tells us in there, you can't go back to the old ways. You can't go back to the ceremonial foods. You can't go back to the ritualistic sacrifices that really accomplish nothing. You, you can't go back. And yes, you've lost much. But in the, in the midst of all that, you've lost something. But here's something else I want you to give up. I want you to stop behaving in the way that the rest of the world does. And that's the same call for us, not just the keeping the marriage bed pure, but to live lives that are, that, that are countercultural in such a way that other people look and they might go, that's weird. And when we hear someone say that's weird or however else they say it, we're supposed to thank God for it. When we're condemned for our beliefs, We're supposed to consider the condemnation, the humiliation of Jesus who was crucified at the city dump. We're supposed to remember he who suffered so greatly and identify with him in that. And in the midst of all of that, all these these charges, these changes, these, these, these new ways of thinking to be transformed by the renewing of our mind... What is our new sacrifice? What is our new change? What is it that we're supposed, who is it we're supposed to be if not part of the sacrificial system, if not part of the, the culture as a whole and just do what is morally or morally virtuous in the culture, but instead to be morally virtuous before Christ? Well, he tells us, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods. Through Jesus, going down to 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good, to share with others 
For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. We're supposed to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. And folks, the reason it's called a sacrifice is because even in the midst of disease, disease, even in the midst of anxiety, even in the midst of us becoming a minority and not a majority in our culture, even in the midst of suffering, we're supposed to thank God even though. We're told by Paul to consider it pure joy, brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Paul, his calling was when, when God said to Ananias, you go, he's my chosen instrument to take the gospel to the, to take my gospel to the Gentiles. You go give him back a sight and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And did Paul cry out and ask for that suffering to be taken away, to take that thorn from his flesh? Yeah, three times. And what was God's response? My grace is way more than you need. So for us, to be thankful, to do good. You know how unusual it was in Rome, in the, the, Hellen, the, the, the Greco-Roman Empire, how unusual it was for someone to, do, to be kind to another? We'll talk more about that next week, how, how, how many things in the world that we think are, well, of course, that's just how it is, how none of those things existed before Jesus and his teaching. It was unthinkable to serve someone who can do nothing for you in return. It was unthinkable for the Christian church to be wandering around in Rome as, as, as the Roman people were disposing of children. There's a letter from one Roman soldier, he's, he's off on campaign to his wife, and I'll try to find it and maybe be able to read it specifically next week, um, where he's like, I love you, I don't, don't worry about me, I'm all good, they just asked me to stay a few more weeks, um, it, it, everything's good, it's just a beautiful love letter that, that like a, a World War II uh, sergeant would write to his wife. And in the midst of it, as if it's just normal, he says, and by the way, it, she's pregnant, and by the way, when the baby's born, if it's a girl, dispose of her. You know how the Christians got their name? Not, not the name Christian, but how, how they rose up as something different? As those, as those children that people disposed of were thrown out into the heap to die of exposure overnight, Christians came by at night, rescued those children, and raised them as their own. That's countercultural. Even though we look at that, and that is repulsive that anyone would do that with a child. It was repulsive to God, but to them, it was a virtue. It was like a sacrament. We get to decide for ourselves what child lives and what child dies. And the Christians said, no, every one of those children is an image bearer of God. And we, we're going to rescue. We're going to sacrifice on their behalf. It's a beautiful and glorious thing that the church has done. They were counter-cultural. They loved the culture enough to counter it, not in saying, you evil sinners, but to live differently. And I want to tell you something that, 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 that happened a week ago in Denver, a little over a week ago. Um, it was the first gathering of the Alliance of Reformed Churches, and it was primarily this time focused on, uh, for, for ministry, vocational 
people, people who get paid to do leadership there were the, in the church. There, there were elders there, but it was primarily, okay, the first time, there's never been a gathering before of this group, and, and different churches have, have come into the alliance for different reasons and from different places and from different denominations. And so there was this gathering, okay, who are we? And I, I don't know about you, I'm just not a big convention type person. I'm not a big, um, I don't like sitting through meetings where point of order, Robert's rules of order, I want a point of order this, and here's a motion, and what well, we want to offer an amendment and back and forth, and it takes three hours because we had to change the word by to with. It's just not my thing. Some people, and I understand that it has to be done in proper order, that things have, in order to get things done that doesn't get derailed, you have to have some rules. I get it. I do. But the first denominational meeting I've ever looked forward to was the one we went to a couple of weeks ago. And then I was getting a little worried on the plane ride, like, I'm looking forward to this. I'm a starry-eyed pessimist, so the fact that I'm looking forward to it means I'm probably going to be disappointed. And I wasn't. Everybody I met loves the Lord Jesus, is excited about service in his kingdom, and want to see the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the supernatural vehicle that God has chosen to bring the gospel to the world. Every one of them said, that's what we're about. We praised God continually. Now the music, I'm getting old. The music was too loud. Lynn and me and the rest of our staff and, a, and, a, and our, uh, one of our church planters from, from uh, St. Louis and uh, the pastor of First Reformed up in uh, Grand Haven, we were all sitting about six rows from the front. Speakers right here, the first large gathering. And uh, we moved after that. We were in the back three or four rows just because hearing aids, all that. But I want to tell you, I've never seen this at a denominational any, classes, synod, anything. At the end of that message, or at the end of that night of worship, where there was a very challenging, very beautiful message, at the end, it's like, okay, we want just take, look around, shift your chairs around into a circle, four or five of you, and, uh, and just pray together. It wasn't, it wasn't a, there was no instruction on what to pray, what to pray, how to pray. There was no call to confession that day. It was just gather around and pray. And hearing aids, if you have hearing aids, it is hard to be in a room where there's lots of chatter, like restaurants at 6.30 in the evening. It's really hard to distinguish language. So I didn't get to hear much of what people were praying, but there were 200 plus people in the room. And within 10 seconds after the, after the shuffling of the chairs, within 10 seconds, people were praying, praying for each other, praying for our new denomination, praying for the denominations that we have left. Um, and, 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 and there was just this beautiful chorus of prayer. It was so loud, I couldn't hear any of it, but I could hear the rumble. And my, my prayer that night in the, when I did speak out was, was, God, it just brings me joy to hear your people seeking your name and offering their praises, their prayers and petitions to you. And I want to let you know one other thing. So there were some breakout sessions. It was, it was, it was just really good. I, I, I didn't, because I went, to a, I went to a seminary here, I went to Western, um, but I was CRC at the time, so I didn't really get to know many people in the, in the RCA um, that I went to seminary with. Plus, I was there forever. Um, so I knew lots of people a little bit, but no one well. Uh, so it wasn't like it was a family reunion. It wasn't like I was going to see some old friends, that kind of thing. But 
But over the course of the last year, I've gotten to know several people from around the country because I've been tasked, me and John Nitre and Jen Bachheisen and James Karsten, uh, I've been tasked with building, with gathering and building a new network, kind of think classes or more like a regional synod um, called the Michigan Catalyst Network right here uh, in Michigan. So we have 18 churches now from uh, in the Michigan Catalyst Network, the one we're a part of, uh, from Portage to Fremont, from Muskegon to uh, Walker, and from Rockford to Zealand, and all in between. There's 18 churches, and I got to meet some of these people uh, that are leading other networks face-to-face. And even though I'd only ever known them in two-inch boxes on Zoom calls, when Lynn and I walked in, one of the people that I've been meeting on Zoom calls walked up to me, hugged me, and said, it is good to see you someone from the Dakota Network, which will soon be called the uh, Midwest Network. So why tell you all that? Um, Because our calling is to continually offer up sacrifices of praise and to, as you remember in Hebrews, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The author of Hebrews is saying, all the things I've told you, don't go back, go forward. I would say it this way, you do not drive by the rear view mirror. The rear view mirror is worth checking. It's good to know what's behind you. Your side view mirror, same thing, but they look backwards. If you took your car today and you blocked off the windshield, let's say you have that thing, because it's going to be a hot day, you have that, that shield in, the, in your front windshield, um, and you don't take it off, and you go, I'm going to get to Grand Rapids. I'm going to get over to four mile in the Beltline. I'm going to get there driving by the rear view mirror alone. You going to make it? Maybe. Four times you'll be pulled over, 17 different fender benders, and you might end up in the ditch. You might make it, but you're not going to get there well. The author is saying all the things you've been through, all the suffering you've experienced, all the suffering you've witnessed, remember those things, yes. But what does God want from you next? And I want to tell you, last thing about the denominational meeting. On the last night, yeah, it was was either the last night or or the last morning, there was a time of testimony and confession. And there was some residual anger in some people about how they believe they had been treated as they worked their way from one denomination to another. There was frustration, and it would have been really easy for all the people there to start defining ourselves by who were not. And it was confessed from the front that, Lord, some of us are feeling that way. Some of us are behaving that way. But we want to be who you want us to be, not who we're not, but who we are in you. And so there was confession, there was repentance, and then there was prayer. There was prayer for the Alliance of Reformed Churches for revival. There was prayer for the Reformed Church in America for revival. There was prayer for the Christian Reformed Church in North America for revival. And any other denomination that had previously previously been represented there, there was prayer that God bless, not curse. And it was just one of the most refreshing experiences I've had in the last decade that people are taking seriously 
the call of God on their lives, the call of God to serve his bride, and the call of God of the servants of Christ's bride to call Christ's bride into service. You are the body of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. You are God's chosen instrument, the chosen vehicle to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. How do we do it? By being people of praise continually, by people of looking, by continually looking for what God might have us do. How, how might we treat those well who can do nothing for us in return? For us to be a calm, confident, not arrogant, but calm, confident presence when the world is blowing up. And people look to us and they're like, can you believe? And they get off. And we're like, yeah, I can believe it. Well, aren't you going to, aren't you mad? No, uh, nope. It's going to be worse and worse and worse as long as it's the things of man. When it's the things of God, they get better and better and better. And we get to be the people who live as if there's potential for getting better and better and better. Now, I told you this months ago. There's a picture of what does it mean to be countercultural? It is good for a ship to be on the sea. Otherwise, it's not a ship. It's just a really weird building sitting on shore. It's good for a ship to be on the sea, but it is not good for the sea to be in the ship. Okay, you can argue for ballast and all that, but it, if, if, if there's just a wide open hole for the sea to come into the ship, the, ship can't, the ship's no longer a ship. Now it's a reef. It is good for the, for the church to be in the world but it is not good for the world to take over the ship. And there are people bobbing out on the sea and we're on the ship and they're drowning. And as we come by, we offer to throw them a ring with a rope on it. We offer to bring them onto the ship. And if they say, no, thanks, we ask them again. And if they say, nope, I don't, I don't believe in ships. Okay, but there's someone that'll say, yeah. And then we've got another person on the ship who's standing on the deck looking out to see who's lost. We have to counter the culture because we love the people of the culture. It is our calling as people of God. Now, we can be angry when we see things go the wrong way. We can express that to God. We can confess our anger. But then when we look, our battle is not against the people in the culture. It's against the spirit behind it. So let us be a people who continually offer sacrifices of praise to God and who continually seek to do good works in the name of Jesus because faith tied with works is God's calling for us. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the confirmation that as a church, I know everyone didn't get to see it, but I did, for the confirmation that we landed in the right denomination. Thank you for the people that I've had the opportunity to meet, for having the opportunity to draw even closer to John Nitre, to James Karsten. Thank you for the, the, the servants who are serving your church and growing it. We pray too for the Reformed Church in America as they struggle to kind of re, refocus and restructure and remember who they are. 
We pray for the CRCNA. We pray for all denominations, Lord, all Christian people that are struggling on whether to be who you called them to be or who the world is calling them to be. And we pray that every one of us choose to say, yes, Lord, your will be done, not ours. We pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen.